I've got to go selling out, you know, this is at the end of the day, capitalistic. I get it. I agree with all of that, right? I get it. At the end of the day, Mattel is a corporation. They want you to buy Barbies. La dee da. Uh, that does not Deter defeat you. <laughs> the fact, that does not defeat the fact that it is a tremendous movie and it gave the world what it needed, which is just more joy. I mean, mm -hmm. how can you say no to joy, right? Mm -hmm. People were mm -hmm. laughing. People were crying. Um, it was a fun movie to see. It basically pokes fun at gender differences. It yes. wasn't toxic. It, it was just trying to play fun at gender stereotypes. And I think for what that they for what that they were given, Greta Gerwig um, has done a spectacular job. Hey, this is Jesse. Hi, this is Helen. And we're Asian bitches down under, recording in the last week of July. Oh, oh yeah, it's already last week. Oh my goodness. Not yeah. Enough. And it's also Helen's son's 18th birthday today. Yeah, happy birthday to my child who I agonized 27 hours to gave birth. Yeah, 18 years ago. And, and, and it's funny because um, your son is taking the exact same tests this week as I was when you were, when he was born. Oh, yes, you were doing your ATC ATC. trials. Oh my goodness, yeah. what are the chances? Yeah, 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 it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And it's incredible to be back and also enjoying the warmer weather now in Sydney. It is warming up, isn't it? It is warming up. I think this week has been like the highest temperature that we got was like 22 degrees. Yeah. Which means that, yeah, happy climate change where, you know, for those climate change deniers and the northern hemisphere are having massive bushfires, mm -hmm. unfortunately, and you will be out in a couple of months. Nothing yeah. to talk about, really. Yeah. Um, something we love talking about here on this podcast is, of course, books. And mm -hmm. uh, Helen and I have recently finished the phenomenally successful and popular book, uh, Yellow Face by Rebecca Kwan. You may have heard us already dribble, drabble about it on the podcast, but uh, mm -hmm. we have now both finished it and yeah. we'd like to talk about it. So, first up, Helen, your thoughts. Yeah, I finished it within a week. It was so easy to read. It's almost like reading a gossip column from Woman's Day. <laughs> Except a little bit more better written. Better written. Better written, of course. But again, we, we talked about this uh, straight after I finished reading the book. Both of us felt that it really almost as it's like a recap from last year's big incident that was you know um trending through new york times new yorkers uh, bad art friends mm -hmm. where you know writer friends got into a few about online group chat about gossiping each other's private life uh, especially um what was it about, about taking basically stealing yeah, someone's taking words. someone's out telling someone else's story you know um, mm -hmm. about don donating organs and um, some people interpret it as boastful and some people are saying that who has the right to write and adapt a story, you know, a real life story. Uh, I think it's, it's made, the, the whole book is made to be a sarcastic, ironic piece, literary piece, but um, I feel like it's a really fun read. She is very clever in adopting from the position of a white female writer as the main character and create the story from 
this perspective, which means that she's probably depicting the story of the people that she met throughout her writing career. Mm, um, because she's, of course, Asian. Yeah, and she can do that because she's Asian mm. and you're essentially exposing a lot of racism and microaggressions that is committed by these white character and all the white characters in the whole story. But frame it in the way that it looks like the character is naive and ignorant about her own mm. actions, which is very true. I think a, a lot of white characters or white people that we met we might have met throughout our lives are they don't mean any harm but they just don't know anything better yeah they're oblivious yes that's right and what's so interesting about this book is that rebecca kwan manages to conceive of a character and center this character because it is first person this Mm -hmm. story is told through the first person and then we have the story told through the first person through the lens of the basically the perpetrator of <laughs> essentially you know, you know gray a really really toxic um, racism uh, in that way it, if by by centering the criminal and by centering the villain it it just works it flips the it flips the sort of dialogue of um, you know when it comes to racial issues and how racial issues are narrativized in in you know works of literature she just it's interesting that she had decided to write from the white perspective yes and i i think she does it really cleverly like i know that there are quite a lot of think pieces out there now and um i know that there are a few for instance um i want to point to terry newen's cleveland review of books uh criticism of this book okay i won't go into detail because i haven't finished reading it myself but there are quite a lot on Twitter and other reviews that have uh, unpacked uh, really critically, really, really critically um, unpacked um, the implications and what this book was really trying to do. But I mean, I, me as a probably not as clever as Terry Nguyen, I spent a week like you on this book and on the surface of it, I thought it was one of the most entertaining books I have read. Yes, entertaining. In so long. Yeah. Honestly, it, it it was so brilliant and it was wild and the ending was a bit disappointing for me. It got mm-hmm. a bit like kind of too ridiculous, but I didn't mind because I just was so, in, I was so engrossed in the story. I was yeah, so engrossed me. in the horror of what I was reading on the page. So, for instance, <laughs> I, I don't. I'm sure you remember the scene, Helen. But the the scene that really made me almost um shrivel in disgust mm-hmm. was the scene when she goes. <clears throat> so basically, June Haywood is a character who changes her name to Juniper Song, which already is like so fucked up, right? Yes. Because yeah. you're pretending to be Asian, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. But anyway, there's this one part in the middle of the book where she decides to go to Chinatown to a Chinese restaurant in Washington D.C. where she lives in order to get some sort of interaction with an Asian because she needs inspiration to write her book. Story, yeah. And then, yeah, and then she accosts a person at a um, Chinese restaurant and tries to make conversation with them in order to, like, steal his story, basically. Mm-hmm. I found that so repulsive. It was just basically expo- – it, it felt to me as evil, slavery. Yes. I think it's so funny the way that – uh, Rebecca Kwan has taken up her observation of the racial elements in the publishing industry and writers, you know, 
arena and all adapted into this uh, novel Yellow Face. It's very different to her previous work about reimagining historical fantasies about mm. colonization. Um, Babel is still one of my favorite, I think. Um, oh, really? About I language it. colonization. But it's still a very similar trajectory if you look into it at how white people steal the work of, mm -hmm. of color and the way they're trying to justify themselves, the way they're trying to say that um, this is my right or anyone can do it, it's fine, it's not appropriation, it's appreciation. In, and they try to force down that down your throat. Mm. And I just thought she did it so well with uh, the combination of the online Twitter and all that modern technology um, scenarios. In oh, the that was incredible. That was <laughs> so incredible. I, the whole time I was just like, I'm so glad I'm not in living her life right now. <laughs> it's excruciating. <laughs> it is so excruciating. Honestly, it makes me want to read it again now that I'm talking to you about it. It's so good. I wonder why that we are always being captured by the idea of gossiping. You know, you always want to see other people suffer. Suffer, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's a philosophical word for that term mm -hmm. descri describing that feeling. But, yeah, um, I cannot praise this book enough. Uh, it's Reese Witherspoon's book of July, her okay. book club book pick, which, you know, is great and I can't, I can't, wait for all the you know more white people to read it and to you know see what they feel and you know i wonder if any of them get feel attacked in the way that a lot of men <laughs> feel attacked by barbie i'm not sure yeah. what do you reckon um i think so i think they'll feel a little bit offended and some might feel like uh they, they will go back to the argument or oh, then who has the right to write stories mm -hmm. um I think people really need to take a step back and consider who has always been taking up space in any fields of profession, you know, not just in publishing. And that's why that when I get books for my kids, you know, I, I know that some of our followers will see our post on Instagram that I purposely go out and try to find kids' books that are written and illustrated by people of colour. Mm -hmm. I just looking not just sorted out by their surnames, I will look up their background and, you know, try to find where they got the inspirations. What I found funny is that the incidents in Yellow Face where the protagonist has changed her surname, you are adopt, adopt, adopting her mother's maiden name or something like that, mm -hmm. to make herself look more Asian, to present herself more Asian, I don't think she's the first. And I don't think that's anything new because I have seen um, writers who have taken up names that are, you know, soundly similar or adja very adjacent to Asian. Mm. And then they're writing about Asian stories. Without noticing or looking to that writer, you would not know that that person is white you would really think that the writer is a person of color yeah yeah definitely i mean um in um you, yeah in terry newen's article he does uh open up about uh a couple of poets in uh the 90s who also basically committed literary yellow face 
Mm. So, for mm. instance, he mentions uh, in his article, the poet Kent Johnson, a white dude, had been writing under the name of um, Akiri Yasutsada. So he's oh making God. himself Japanese. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's a famous case of um, a, a poet, another poet, Michael Derrick Hudson, who who said after this came out, he said that he wasn't finding people, he wasn't finding places to publish his not um, po poems. And so he changed his name to Yi Fen Chu, uh, <laughs> so like a Chinese mon monarchy. Mm -hmm. And then he suddenly got people publishing his works. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's atrocious. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely atrocious. atrocious. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's similar to what um, we talked about Elaine Shear's book, Disor Disorientation, mm -hmm. sometime earlier this year or last year. Anyway, yeah, um, it's an act of yellow face and trying to exoditize. Yeah, exactly. And mask yourself and make yourself presentable to attract certain readers yeah it's ridiculous yeah so now that we've mentioned um one book we have a play that we're going to talk about and then a couple of movies as well and then before that and then after that we'll jump into our news item of the week um helen and i went to the opening of the belvoir theater's premiere of michelle law's miss peony uh, which was delayed by a week due to car sickness. But finally, uh, this happened about two weeks ago. We went there mm -hmm. and it was terrific. I really enjoyed it. I think Michelle Law and the way she writes plays is just guaranteed to make you have a good time. Mm. I think um, in all, I enjoyed the most, uh, maybe not the narratives, but I really enjoyed the performance of the all the actors all the actresses and the actor that was on stage um the stage design was brilliant there's mm -hmm. great sound lighting the music was so much yeah fantastic dance sequences yeah the i love dance sequences the they're yeah. my favorite the part of anything group. yeah and um i think i was uh captured by one person's particular performance mabel lees yeah mabel lee Mabel's shout out to so mabel good. who is just a brilliant brilliant human being and an uh, a, a spectacular i can see actor. her oh so well in the next i don't know forever she better if she yes. doesn't make it i'm just going to be in so Hollywood angry. or anywhere yeah I it's, it's if she doesn't so make it it's it's just everyone else's fault really She's just so natural and she's just so, you know, herself. And there's the unapologetically sort of performance by her. And also, of course, you know, Shiron and who was the other stand-in? I think her name was Debbie. Mm -hmm. Debra um, Lee or something. Yeah. Uh, Debra Faye Lee. Or Marcy's like character. Yeah, they yeah. were so good. And I love how they portrayed different asian females persona not just exactly in particular and there's also subtle jokes between taiwan and china you know individuality mm -hmm. conformity there's jokes about uh differences in language uh there's also jokes that we we talked about this when we came out of the theater we say that oh we found that there's different points that people laugh yeah. Like the Asians will, we get that joke, but whereas white audience wouldn't get yeah. that joke. 
Yeah, yeah. And then there were parts where like, white people were laughing and I'm like, what? I didn't get <laughs> Is it. Is that funny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Charles Wu, he was really good as well. And obviously, yeah, he's a great actor. Yeah, Gabby Chan was so good, Gabrielle. Um, the way she took the control of the stage was just absolutely incredible. The, mm. You know how she performed throughout the whole uh, show was in, she conducted in Cantonese. Mm. It was just so natural for her. And I am so mesmerized by all the um, performers on stage. They use, you know, three languages, Cantonese, Mandarin and English so flawlessly. Yeah. Um, I just don't understand how come they're not so popular on TV yet. You know, yeah, this, know. this is a sort of the actors and actresses that we want to see on TV and on, in movies. Yeah. Like, I can't. They're incredible. They're, can't all of them are imagine. bilingual. Yeah, bilingual. Bilingual. Intelligent. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it's because Australian television is racist. That's why we don't see it <laughs> yes. on television. Yeah. yeah. You know, apparently there's like, um, there's this, I've heard that there's this like a countdown of like when, when, when people see a person of color on the TV, they switch to channel much faster. There's like mm. two seconds. As like as opposed to like when they see a white person and they change a channel in ten seconds, I've heard there's this. I don't know what it's actually ah, called, but there's this kind of terminology. Study. Yeah, yeah. So for those people, we, I did the interview with Mabel and Sharon a couple of weeks ago. So if you like to listen to the interview, it's due. it's fantastic. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, I got the ticket for our mom to see it this weekend for her birthday. Yeah. I really hope that she will enjoy it. I know that she will understand because there's a screen for the translation. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, like, I feel so, so happy to watch that play is because that I know that it's almost as if, like, it's a safe place. It's, like, my place because I can see the familiarity of the language, the mm -hmm. culture. And also women. I just like to yeah, exactly. watch stories of women. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful play. We cannot recommend it enough. It is Miss Peony. It's showing at the Belvoir until this Saturday. Yeah, and then it will start be touring. In it's touring Canada. Australia. Yeah, yeah, Melbourne, everywhere, I oh, think. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Honestly, it's the best. <laughs> Hi there! If you're new to our show, thanks for tuning in into our program and we hope you will stay with us for a very long time. And if you're a regular listener, we're forever grateful for your continuous support throughout this period of uncertainty. It has really helped this podcast to gain a great exposure as our mission is to center the perspectives of people who look like us, who are marginalized historically to the sideline of conversation. So if you haven't already, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Omni, Apple, Google or Spotify and leave a rating and review. And of course, as a small podcast program, we rely on listeners' support to continue this work. Please do check out our Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation in order for us to continue to advocate the intersectionality in the podcast industry. Okay, okay um, let's move on to um, how about, Helen, you start talking about your movie first, um, Joyride, which I haven't seen yet. 
Oh, I actually want to talk about it when you see it. I think. Oh, okay. Okay, you, okay. Why don't we, yeah, park yeah. that on the side and talk about the movie that the entire <laughs> universe has been talking about in the last week, Barbie. So, um, I guess I'll start with my thoughts. I had the privilege of watching it on the opening advanced screening night last Wednesday. Um, I had to go to Auburn Cinema uh, because all the things around me. Cinema? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like、oh、a nostalgic. <laughs> yeah, have you been there? <laughs> I think I've been there when I, I was dating my husband.、Date. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Did you also do you also think that the seats there are, are uncomfortable? I can't remember. Okay. I well, remember when、really、you first opened, like everyone's like saying that, "Oh my god, it's like the biggest cinema." Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. Sydney or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it is big. Ah,、uh, the seats are shit though. So uncomfortable. So I just want to say say that, but、uh, it was fun.、Um, I don't remember the last time people got this excited and exuberant、mm-hmm. over a film, like as in this many people. You know, you had like five year old girls、um, sitting next to eighty five year old women. It was、yeah. euphoric. The, this is this is、yeah. what good movies do. They bring people together. Okay, I don't care if there are people who are like you know. I've got to go selling out. You know, this is at the end of the day capitalistic. I get it. I agree with all of that, right? I get it. At the end of the day, Mattel is a corporation. They want you to buy Barbies, la di da.、Uh, that does not deter you. Defeat the fact <laughs> that does not defeat the fact that it is a tremendous movie, and it gave the world what it needed, which is just more joy. I mean,、mm-hmm. how can you say no to joy, right?、Mm-hmm. People、mm-hmm. were laughing. People were crying.、Um, it was a fun movie to see. It basically pokes fun at gender differences. It、yes. wasn't toxic. It, it was just trying to play fun at gender stereotypes. And I think for what that they for what that they were given, Greta Gerwig、um, has done a spectacular job. And I am just so like there are so many different iterations in the way in which she could have butched it. But、mm-hmm. she just absolutely nailed it. I'm so impressed, and I can't wait to see it again. I actually want to go back to the cinemas and watch it again. Yeah, because think, when I first, well, I was going to say that there's a, a lot of parts. I think there was an article about、um, Easter eggs that you didn't see throughout the Easter film. Easter eggs. Yeah. What's that? As in little surprises, little surprises、oh, okay. throughout the film that you might have missed. Because you oh right yeah no I I would I I really need to go and see it again because I、uh, I was conscious of needing to write down notes for my review of it so、mm-hmm. I was actually just not enjoying it as、oh, much as I could have because I was writing a lot、uh-huh. I just didn't want to miss anything you know yeah okay so the next twenty minutes or so while we talk about Barbie there's going to be a spoiler alert. Yeah,、um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so if you want to just tune out <laughs> something, I'll come back after you watch. Also, I don't know how anyone could not have seen Barbie already, <laughs> but okay. Okay, so the synopsis of the movie is that the beginning of the Barbie movie,、um, it's trying to replace the and or revolutionize how children, girls play dolls instead of playing baby dolls, which was a representation of a mother. Mattel's founder, you know, Ruth Handler, created Barbie. Uh, short for Barbara, I think for her daughter, and and she created this character Barbie with almost limit lim- limitless choices of career. It's like creating a utopian for woman, yeah. And then we move on to Barbie Land, where we see everything is so perfect. It's so pink. Everyone looks so nice.、Um, I found it 
a bit tokenistic when they're trying to present different Barbies. Mm. Um, there's really. I mean, it has to be. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. It's a toy. It's a toy. Only in, I think, this is, I read it somewhere because I never really follow Barbie. 2015, that they only start to diversify the range of Barbies, mm -hmm. skin color, body shape, hair, etc., etc. What we've been talking about it anyway. But Barbie's always been like a forefront for, as a model for female career, I think, because she's an astronaut even before the man is put on moon. She's always been in the powerful uh, position. Uh, you can see in the movie there's uh, the president, the mm -hmm. Supreme Justice. They're all women. Uh, they're all women, uh, Nobel Prize winner. They're all women. The physicists are all women. I really love that scene, by the way, the Nobel Prize winners, all women. Barbie, <laughs> yeah. Barbie, Barbie. I love that. Yeah. That was great. They were heading out, uh, out awards for Barbies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's a slight disparage on the role of the pregnant woman, Mitch. Mitch. Yeah. Or, yeah it, you know, in the movie, it says he's been discontinued. But while the whole, whole movie is trying to use mother daughter sentiment to capture, you know, audience emotion, like, I feel like what is it really saying about motherhood? It's not really giving the spotlight on the a pregnant woman. Um, I, I don't know if that's a disconnection of the mother daughter relationship, but is that the reality or is that the complicated feeling that you feel? When you seeing your child grow up, you want to see your cho your children to become independent adults, but not child forever. I feel like um, the movie is in a good way trying to salvage the innocence of childhood. You know, when you're playing, yeah, absolutely, role. and especially for girls. You know, um, yeah, that's what I thought about. You know, there's no much spotlight about discontinued doll Midge. I, I thought that they might been put on a bit more uh discussion when you're talking about you know, when you're run, trying to highlight the mother-daughter sentiment because that's what is it is really about even towards the end of the movie um yeah so that's one thing that i didn't i thought was a bit complicated mm -hmm.